I mean, anytime you change quarterbacks from, you know, a Hall of Famer to Hall of Famer, you go, you know, Stabler to, to Rich Gannon or whoever you go to, it's going to be a little bit of an adjustment. I mean, it's always tough going from Hall of Famer to Hall of Famer. <laughs> From Devontae to, to Allen, it's going to be, uh, you know, a transition. But... Let's go down in life out here. What the hell's going on out here? It's a lot of fun. Keep it fun. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the UK Packers podcast. As usual, I'm your host, that's NFL on Twitter. And, of course, follow the group at UK Packers. And get yourself a friend like Devontae Adams. I don't know whether he's trolling Derek Carr at this point uh, or trolling Aaron Rodgers. But uh, do you really want that? Do you want a hype train on you? Calling your future Hall of Famer? You know, looks like that guy from Home Alone. What does that have to do with anything? Nothing. But he, uh, Derek Carr does look like one of the, the robbers from Home Alone. Come here. I wanna, come here to me. I want to update you on the switch list and stuff because i got a lot of questions about it. So... Basically, the switch list and the arrangements should be happening this week. Here's the dilemma. It's no real dilemma. Don't worry. You're not. It, it's all going to go great, right? But this will give you an example of when someone goes, yeah, look what I'm trying to do, Patreon. This is the real reality of, of organizing stuff. So the Hippodrome, great venue, great people to deal with. Uh, so we hooked up with them and they're releasing the tickets. And when you, you know, booked your thing for the Hippodrome, you would pay the tickets and that would go straight to the Hippodrome. So unbeknownst to me, it turned out that people weren't getting confirmation emails. And I thought it was a once off. And then more people came in and said, hey, I'm after booking, but you know, I didn't get any confirmation. What's the story? Um, is all going to be OK? And I'm like, yeah, it should be fine. Hold on, wait till I check with the venue. So I reached out to the venue and said, hey, you know, the guys are, are booking the stuff and some people are not getting that confirmation to say that they've booked or whatever. And the feedback that I got was, oh, yeah, no, that's a known issue. And I'm like, oh, well, it's not known to me. Um, so that wasn't great. And so I asked them, look, can you, well, can you can you work on it? Give me an ETA on, on when you're going to send confirmation emails. Um, so she said, yeah, we'll look into it. So I checked in again and said, hey, yo, how was the, how's the ETA? And they said, yeah, we uh, probably can't fix that. So, you know, and that's the, that's the pain of the arse part is that, you know, it was rolled out, nothing was said to me, and then all of a sudden there's an issue with it. Now, there isn't an issue with entry. Because your name is down, your email address is down, all the details, they have it. We don't have they have it. Um, so when you show up to the door, they have people employed to let you in and whatnot. So don't worry about it, right, if you have tickets. So just the watch party was for people who couldn't get tickets to the game. And people on the switch list is effectively, is very sexy by me, uh, a waiting list, basically. And we're going to switch people that got tickets in the end who'd booked to go to the Hippodrome. And we're just going to switch them to the people on the waiting list. That is happening this week. Um, the slight wrinkle is obviously people didn't get the confirmation email. So I've asked the Hippodrome to generate an email on behalf of me because of GDPR and all this rubbish, right? So they'll send it out to you telling you that if you want to switch your tickets, get in contact with me because I've no way of contacting you myself because GDPR. Um, so also... I've asked that they generate the email to say how many people you booked for and all this type of stuff, which makes your and my life an awful lot easier. So expect that today or tomorrow. Um, so Monday, Tuesday uh, to come in and you'll get an email from the Hippodrome to say, you know, if you need to, you can switch. So I gave them the little blurb to say there. So that's what I'll start doing. Now, the thing is, is we've more people on the switch list than we do uh, 
total places in the Hippodrome. So I've already tried to organise a second venue uh, that will be bigger. So there should be two um, meetups going on at the same time. Um, And I can't say where the other one is, but it is close by. So, and I'm going to try to organise as well that if you're coming, because the Hippodrome, as we stated, is strictly over 18 because it's a casino, right? Um, So if you need a venue for kids and teenagers and all that kind of stuff, I'm hoping that this new venue will be able to facilitate that, but I can't make those promises. I also can't say what it is because in the early negotiations for the new place, I was uh, casually told that, oh yeah, you want to um, you want to bring a couple of hundred people in? Well, uh, for the facility fee, it's 10 grand. So there we are. Anyway, so that's up for me to um, negotiate and try, you know, shake some people. But anyway. The other thing is, is uh, the tailgate venue for the actual people who do have tickets are going to Tottenham Stadium. Um, I am nearly, nearly ready to pull the trigger and release the details on, you know, where that meeting spot is. I'm trying to secure, uh, you know, an early bird drinks deal, a food deal and all that for people that go along. Does Steve get out in force? No, he doesn't. All right. So let me just pop that out there. A saint am I. But look, training camp is back. And can we be more delighted? Can we have the hype? Bring on the hype. I'm okay with the hype. Um, So I guess we can't, you know, there's loads of storylines sort of zinging around. So I'm going to break down a couple of the sort of pertinent ones and uh, we're going to chomp into them. Now, the thing is, is that uh, preseason, we hate it, right? We say preseason, there's no point. Stop talking about it. We're not going to watch the games. Why would you? And then all of a sudden preseason happens and we're like, this is great. I can't believe it. Uh, and then we read too much into it. And that's exactly what's going to happen with training camp. But there's a couple of sort of tropes out there um, and a couple of good things, of course, uh, that we need to sort of temper expectations on or not do what you want to do. Fan how you want to fan. Romeo dubs. Trope the dubs. Um, he passes. What I would say about him is there's a lot of hype. Uh, but when we looked, uh, when we spoke with Peter and he did his draft guide, Peter referred to this guy as potentially sneakily good, right? And that's coming true. Did we ever doubt him? Um, and in his draft guide as well. And when, you know, we looked and we talked about him, we looked into him and it, he stood out to me from sort of a neutral for the college game because I don't follow it. Um, the fact that he had so much experience and his stats were so high and he was one of the guys that I said, look, it's typical, isn't it? That this is a guy who has a million yards, has been in college for two decades and has broken all the college records, and still he's like a fourth rounder, you know. And that's just what happens. There's just it's the elite of the elite, but it sounds like the Packers have got themselves something here. Now, what I would say is, is you know, and I'll go into sort of what people have said about him and what has impressed me for the limited stuff that I've seen of him and heard of him. But the thing that he passes is obviously the eye test. Now, I'm not talking about the optician. I'm talking about where all of the reporters are talking about him. All of the training staff and coaches are talking about him. The other players are name-dropping him. So this is a guy... Here's a guy. And I'm not saying he's Tyreek Hill. I'm not saying that. But there's some players, and you'll see it, right? So anybody who's been to a live sporting event, sometimes, or have watched the game on TV, whatever. But sometimes what you'll do is, is you'll look at the way it's the game is panning out, and you'll see a player, and he doesn't get goals, and he doesn't get blocks and you know, touchdowns or whatever sports you're watching. Wickets, that a thing. But he passes the eye test. So you look at him and go, that guy's special, just the way he moves. They said that about Don Hudson, that it was poetry in motion. And so with Romeo Dobbs, it's turning out that he has that. He has that sort of X factor about him. 
He has the work ethic as well, which is great. But, you know, day one on Wednesday, he high points a ball over KB and Ento and people go, he's on the radar. They set it to Matt LaFleur and he rightly sort of tempered expectations and said, lads, relax, it's a day. But that's the problem when they pass the eye test though. You look at a guy, who's a guy, and you sort of say, I could have something special in this guy. Now, what I would say is, the key is in the sentence, right? KB and Ento. So let's just, let's leave that there. No respect to disrespect to KB Nanto but the thing is is can he do it against the big dogs day 2 rolls around and he catches a slant versus Savage a quick out versus Devondre Campbell and has a jump ball in the end zone over Stokes so you know I guess the the point is is you know, can he do it against the big boys and yeah I guess is the answer but again it's day 2 it's only a day uh, now the note from Match Neidman on this on Twitter was is that you know because people were asking him for videos send videos and he was saying, we, we can't because as one player comes up good, the other player comes up absolutely awful. And that is the case. We're seeing so many videos from, you know, where the uh, fans are there at the events and you see these guys and you see these, you know, lads who are either rookies or brought in and veterans and, and they have these videos and they don't look flattering. And then people go, so I told you he was ass, you know, and that is the case. So they can't take videos because it makes the player look bad. And as well as that, you have to remember too that the defense are not wearing pads. Um, and on top of that, we've heard stories where the rookie quarterback or sophomore quarterback or whatever, the backup guy will be in the huddle and he's obviously going to be with the number twos <laughs> um, and he will call it a play and he'll see these blank looks coming back to him because they haven't got a rashers uh, what they're doing. But what really did impress me about Romeo Dobbs, and not to get too granular about it, but these things kind of stand out straight away because what I don't understand is it's like when you start school and my old German teacher used to say this. He said, lads, he was a bit mad as well. He said, lads, you all started on the same day. There's no reason why anybody should be ahead of anybody else. You know, if you put in the work, blah, blah, blah. And that's true to a certain extent. I know there's aptitudes and, and all that kind of stuff. But when it comes to this, if you're good enough to get into this game, it's like golfers, you know. One of my mates, again, it's a mate of a mate, but one of my mates played with Shane Lowry. And Shane Lowry was telling him, he was like, look, and this guy played off like ridiculous handicap as well. So he could hold his own on any good day and Shane Lowry said that to him that there's so little sort of differentiating the golf players from each other it's just whoever sort of squeaks in and gets their card and all that kind of stuff because you see the waxing and waning and you know McElroy getting to the top and then dropping down a bit they're all in or around each other but Romeo Dobbs talked about that play with Stokes and he broke down the play and he talked about identifying the coverage now, we spoke about, on our last podcast, how difficult is Aaron Rodgers' job. And in that, that was the Pat Kerwin book about, you know, keep your eye off the ball. And in that, he goes into all of the different positions. But one of the things, that not to go back into the same book, like, oh, Stephen read a book, so he's going to talk about it. But they talk about the wide receivers and they say that, you know, your quarterback can know the coverage and know the play and know what he can and can't do. But you have to depend as a quarterback that your wide receiver is going to see the exact same sort of style of play, the same play, the same coverage, the same leverage. And if he doesn't, you know that you want him to run a slant or an out or pick a certain option. But if your wide receiver can't identify that, he's going to run into a brick wall. And that's exactly what Dobbs spoke about in this. Talk about maturity from a rookie. He speaks of the leverage. Um, he talks about the placement and what he needs. And he was thinking at the time, because it was sort of a snatch ball in the, I think it was the right corner of the end zone. And he was thinking, I need to get my feet down, which again 
sounds obvious to us from watching the game and you'd imagine it's obvious to them but it isn't always how many times have you seen in the game where you know the wide receiver goes up and they don't do that toe tap and drag um, he talked about reading the play and he based his movements on the spacing so from the spacing he noticed that you know this was probably going to come this play was going to come to me which you know to know that that was a possibility for one and to be on the same page as Aaron Rodgers now I'm not saying for an instant that they have chemistry and I know people are losing the run of themselves online saying, oh, well, you know, is this the second coming of Jordy Nelson? Hold your horses, right? But the fact that he talks about watching film and he talked about looking at the DB's tendencies, uh, the, the sort of outcome that he expected based on that positioning and spacing. And, you know, it, it just fits what Pat Kerman was saying. Here's a player identifying the coverage uh, talking about game tape and recalling that in real time, looking at spacing and positioning, and then looking at Stokes having his back to him and using that as leverage to go up and get the ball. Uh, you know, his attitude after the fact, and he's making these sort of highlight reel plays, and I can imagine the reporters are not shy of you know giving it a cheer from every now and then, but he's a humble chap and doesn't lose the run of himself and sort of says, you know, not in an arrogant Balotelli kind of way where he says, well, does the postman celebrate when he delivers the post? But he's not losing the run of himself in the sense that he realises, uh, you know, that for every one good play, he could have a fart play. And then all of a sudden, they're writing about him saying, oh, he's after, he's after dropping that. Um, but a great start because he has the same opportunity as everybody else. And there's players in there like Amari Rogers who are getting kind of the opposite feedback on special teams. And we'll get to that in a minute. But by all means, he's not the only wide receiver. That's making plays. We've heard about Joan Winfrey making plays again. Alan Lazard is apparently making some highlight reel plays as well. And one of the tropes, and this is one of the things I was talking about from the top of the dome, is that, you know, people are talking about, oh, yo, if you don't get behind these wide receivers, I told you, you you can eat dirt, you can kick sand, you can suck it when it comes to when they're going to be awesome and you eat points in your face. And like, all right, I love the enthusiasm. I not want to tell you how to fan because I'm also a fanboy when it comes to the wide receivers and I always like to be optimistic and I like to see the power of the quarterback and, you know, of designing the plays and I don't want to read too much stats into when Devontae Adams wasn't on the field but when you see what Rodgers was able to do, you look at case studies very close to the NFC North's heart with Matt Stafford and Megatron and when he left, the power that that had for him spreading the ball around, it could lend itself to something dynamite. And from speaking to reporters, they put an awful lot of stock into Matt LaFleur's play calling. And his play style is a run-first play style. And I love all of that, right? But what I would say is, is don't lose the run of yourself. Because sometimes what I feel like is, is that it's a mixture of being optimistic and supporting your team, which is great, but also getting that one-upsmanship on people. And, and then you can go back to your tweet and say, oh, I told you, you know. And if it doesn't pan out, no one will probably remember it. Or you can just play it off as, ah, yeah, I'm just a fan. You know, I'm just trying to fan fan. And that's fine. Uh, but some of it's trying to get the jump on it. I've got stung with that before. I mean, I put out a tweet saying, we should walk all over the Niners. And I'm going to say it before it happens. And I'd egg in my face. And of course, I ended up uh, getting trolled after the game. But that's the that's the thing you, you sort of have to face. But what I would say is, is this is not just me saying temper your expectations here. Because Aaron Rodgers came out and I quote said, I felt coming into camp, to be honest, we were going to get our butts kicked most days. And then he talks about the DB and talented and the DB and deep. It's not as fun when you're on your own. Innuendo. 
uh, NFL innuendo. But look, Rogers even thought that. But coming out of camp even today and all that, you know, they're talking about in the two-minute drill, he drives them right down um, and gets them within field goal range and, you know, it could have been a couple of interceptions or whatever, and then they end up getting the field goal. So look, he's still moving the ball, which is brilliant. And he's doing that behind an O-line that is constantly shifting. Now, this is the same with the Packers. So, you know, what's the tropes? They look for Swiss Army knife O-linemen. They look for swing tackles. They look for someone who can play up and down the line. They don't just go for a centre. They want that centre to have been a guard, to have been a tackle, to play at all spots. And they managed to get it. And they had Bakhtiari, who was incredible at the point that they got him in the draft, albeit he's injured now with that ACL. And more to go into that in a second. Elton Jenkins is injured. So what's the significance then of who was playing where? We have fourth rounder Zach Tom in at left tackle. He played left tackle and centre in college. D-back and Jenkins are out. So we've Josh Nishman coming in at left tackle and then he switches to right guard on day two. And then we've Royce Newman who was at right tackle on day one going to right guard because Nishman's going to right tackle. And then we've got Jake Hansen slipping down and going to the second teamers. What does it all mean? Nothing. It doesn't mean anything because this is what happens all the time. So look, there were Pepper and Matt LaFleur uh, with questions last year to say, well, what's the, what's the, what's it going to be? You're, you're switching it up here. You know, can you give us some clues? And he said, look, it doesn't matter about tenure. It just matters about we're going to field the best players on O line that we can. And of course, he's going to say it. And do I expect Zach Tom to be in at left tackle uh, come week one? No. Um, and mostly because we don't know what's going to happen with David Bakhtiari because it's been over 570 days since he had that injury. He tore his ACL in December 2020. I think it was he was out doing warm-ups even before the game. I think it was the Bears. Um, and the left knee of his still isn't healthy. And what's not good is the fact that, you know, he said that, oh, look, the ACL thing, we've put that behind us a long time ago. It's just getting used to playing on it again and all that kind of stuff. Now, he came out um, in a game, a meaningless game at the end of last season, you know, Aaron Rodgers likes to talk about he played some fantastic snaps and then he was off again and it, it sort of didn't help him, you know, and I think that's why we're seeing a change of language now with the Packers because they're asking for timelines and they're saying we don't have one and that's because if they don't pin themselves to a timeline, well, then they can't be told, oh my God, you're you're outside the timeline and something's obviously gone bad, you've had a setback um, and we see that with the other players now when they ask them, what's your timeline for a return? And the, you know, and they're usually tight-lipped about this kind of stuff anyway. Uh, but they came out and said no. Gudekun says that he's cautiously optimistic about it all. Um, but Rogers then came out and said that he's dealing with an injury that's more than just the ACL. So there's an awful lot of mixed messages. You know, Rogers kind of said, I didn't want to speak at a turn about him. And I kind of don't want to put words in his mouth and come out for him. But the thing is, is they asked back to Yari the question, which is even more ominous, which is, do you expect to ever play again? And he sort of said, well, I don't know. It's been a nightmare. Um, I just want to wake up one day and, you know, for this nightmare to be over. So it doesn't sound great, but the problem with ACLs, MCL tears, is that we're so used to these success stories sometimes. You know, these near misses with players where they get these injuries and they come back way ahead of schedule and they're fine. But for a guy as big as Bakhtiari and carrying that weight as he does, to come back and be the same player, we don't know. But now it's like, will he come back at all? Um, so it's super concerning from his standpoint, but maybe they're just putting the skids on it because they just don't want to commit and then to have that kind of blow up again. Um, so we really don't know what the O-line is going to look like because Bakhtiari is still on that sort of ACL club. 
uh, and we've seen the other players out there on, on the field you know trying to get reps in um, and for him they do see him out on the field but as to his return they simply won't say now there's been a lot of fanfare as well about special teams and speaking of injuries is that Crosby had a scope on his right knee and he hasn't missed a preseason, a regular season or a postseason game since he was drafted in 2007, which is unbelievable. Now, the one caveat I would say is, is that, yeah, and he didn't want to say it like this. He said, I don't want to say it's cleaning stuff up. Uh, but the fact that, it, you know, he felt it and he was advised to go in and get it done before the season um, is obviously, you know, he's had great medical advice. And who did the surgery? Uh, Pat McKenzie. Uh, and he's an absolute world leader when it comes to uh, leg injuries. We have people from other NFL teams flying into Green Bay just to see Pat McKenzie. And Pat McKenzie, you might recognize the name, you know, if you're sort of more casual and, you know, you don't go into the goddamn team doctors. But he came up with Martellus Bennett and there was a bit of a storm around that because Bennett tried to make out that McKenzie tried to make him play when all everything else apart from that one report from Bennett and we've seen how that panned out was that McKenzie's always super cautious so if he has advised Crosby the kicker for the Packers to get that scope and to clean up his knee uh, well then you'd imagine that he would be back you know sooner rather than later and it's not going to be a big deal but speaking of special teams Rich Basaccia the special teams coach is really hitting headlines and we're hearing stuff like you know, the language that he has and LaFleur goes, oh, he's, you know, he's super honest. He's really going to give you the real deal. And then we heard about him screaming and Amari Rogers for calling fair catches. And they said they can't directly quote coaches. And I don't know whether that's policy or whether they cannot get the bad language into an article without bleeping it out. It's not as if it's a, you know, an X-rated song. Um, but also we saw, you know, Aaron Jones in in returns. But one thing that we did see, and, and LaFleur spoke about it, was this sort of player-led team and the power of a player-led team. And we did see the power of that when it came to Zadarius Smith, yeah, may he rest in peace, got off to the Vikings and really making splashes there. You know, if you if you look at their socials, he's all over them with his sound bites and stuff. Fantastic character, really likes Zadarius Smith. And I don't like the way his name's kind of been sullied uh, since he left Green Bay and went over to the Vikings uh, which yeah look let's face it isn't great but uh, you know this player led team thing and what we've seen and what we've heard with the special teams is is that they've brought players in from the Raiders players that are not these standout players that you look at and go oh you know here's a guy who I even here's a guy who I even recognise um, but they're, he's brought the players in from the Raiders and they're teaching up uh, you know veteran players on the Packers in the Basaccia system on what he expects and even today We've heard word of, uh, I think Matt Schneidman quipped, uh, you know, the first fight in camp is going to be Basaccia versus one of his players because he's really chewing them out. So it seems like he's been holding them to account. And some really surprising thing that Bill Huber said was that he saw um, the Pat the Punter, <laughs> which is a great nickname. Uh, he didn't say this, I did. Uh, like Pat the Baker over here, but Pat the Punter. Uh, the old Paddy, the Paddy Pat, he was out and he was doing punts, but he was kicking into the wind and with the wind that he's back. And shockingly said that under Zuck and Menenga um, and these guys, that they've never, pra- it was always when the wind was at their back, which seems pretty nonsensical. So it seems like that, you know, Basaccia is really grilling them on who should be on the field, what plays they should be calling, uh, what he expects from players, but he's being really, really harsh with them as well. On top of that, they have Aaron Jones in there doing returns. Now, will that happen during the season? 
I severely doubt it. But it's not unheard of because with the Raiders, I think they had something mad like, you know, the most number of starters on the field for special teams plays. Obviously, we all know the tropes. That comes back to bite you in the ass if they get injured. Uh, but it's something to watch. Obviously, they're going to take it very seriously because, you know, we saw the stuff all the time that we've we heard that Ron Zuck was vocal, that Menenga wasn't taking any prisoners, that... You know, his replacement, I can't even think of his name now, but it's a brain fart moment. Really, really nice guy. Uh, really pulled for him. And I really felt sorry for him because he kind of had to come in up to the microphone and, and take the blame for the special teams again and again. And he was saying all these buzzwords um, and it still wasn't sort of getting through. Um, you know, it's still nothing. So here we are again talking about, oh no, special teams being held to account. Uh, he's screaming a lot. He's shouting at players. Uh, he was a success in Oakland with it. He's been a success for as long, like back when we were all in nappies. Um, so it lends itself to the fact that he should be good. But for now, it's just all training camp fodder. Um, surprise, surprise as well. Rashan Gary hits the headlines. Here's a guy who's, you know, wins Twitter every time. But apparently Rogers is getting really peed off because all day himself and Preston Smith are in the backfield all the time. Um and, you know, we, we heard the reporter saying that there's no real weaknesses on this depth chart. We heard Rogers saying that we expected to get our asses kicked by this defense. Um, but the pads aren't on yet. They'll be on. The shoulder pads are on Monday, today. And the full pads should be on on Tuesday. You know, it's not as if they're going to go full contact. But we'd expect that there might be a bit more, uh, you know, that the handbags are going to come out. The sort of the pistols of 50 paces are going to come out now when the pads come on. Uh, but Rashan Gary, by all means, is sort of, you know, we've heard him being sort of deemed the all-pro, that he's going to have another big season uh, this season. And the guy really does set the tone with his work ethic. So on the defensive side of the ball, again, his name is up in lights, along with Romeo Dobbs um, on the other side of the ball as well. So look, it's really positive and it's good to see Packers football out there again. Uh, some weird stuff happening. Uh, you know, the pup rules changing from six games to four. Uh, from certain these little cushion things that they're wearing on their helmets now for player safety, which in the interview, I think um, Matt LaFleur sort of rolled himself up in knots because he asked what he thought about it. And, he, you know, he was trying to criticise it and say it was rubbish, but at the same time, it was sort of like, oh, well, I understand player safety and if it works, it works uh, and all that kind of stuff. So he's kind of sitting on the fence there, but you can see, like, read between the lines, he hates it and they look kind of goofy when you see them out on the field. But, you know, as he said, if it's down to player safety, happy days. His concern was is that if you put these sort of cushions on their heads, does that in any way impede or impact how uh, they go into a tackle? And does it almost get them into a bad habit? Which is incredible to hear a coach, um, as successful as he is and as knowledgeable as he is, to say that that would be a concern. It just goes to show that, you know, habits can be picked up super early, apparently, and that's something that he is concerned about because that is the deficiency already with a defense when they go into the season, is that when you don't obviously go full speed, which is why they like you know, going up against other teams because you can give them that little bit extra uh, in the tackle and sort of prove yourself. And that has its dangers as well, which Rogers spoke out about. But is that, you know, here's just another obstacle where the defense won't have their beaks wet by the time the season swings around. Uh, you know, the younger guys might when it comes to preseason and stuff, but they need to temper it as well. And that here's another thing that might hinder them and might make their tackling worse in, in the long term, which is interesting. But... That's the first week of training camp. And when the pads come on, there'll be more stories leaking out. Uh, you know, Zach Cruz is a great follow. Bill Huber, uh, Rob Domofsky, Matt Schneidman. Uh, is brilliant as well. So 
you know, we're very blessed, really, when it comes to beat reporters. Um, uh, Cheesehead TV are there. Aaron Nagler has a presence. You know, we're really lucky as fans, I guess, to have that kind of presence. Um, and hopefully you feel the same way and how you're serviced over here as well by us at UK Packers. So do stay tuned. This, your gonna, name's going to be switched onto that uh, party list for the Hippodrome. Hopefully we'll have a second venue rolled out as long as they don't try scalp us uh, with cash. So, you know, we're going to try to do what we can there. Uh, when it comes to the meetup, that will hopefully be announced this week with early bird drinks deals and also sort of NFL and American football team stuff for a location right outside Tottenham Stadium for sort of the we're, we're calling it the UK and Irish Packers zone where you can go to and you can all hang out and sort of see it as kind of that meeting point. And of course, patreon.com forward slash UK Packers. I flogged a full size ice white Aaron Jones helmet. Uh, it's going to be a great draw this time around as well uh, it's already you know too late to sign up for august because the funds come out on the first of august but again keep your eyes peeled because i will be giving away a full-sized brett Favre helmet and i think i have that one penciled in for september which is really exciting stuff so look it's always happening here at uk packers we always have something going for you some great podcast content some great stuff from all of the social media feeds at uk packers and some more great guests coming up on the court giveaways and meetups and all that kind of stuff so thanks for sticking with us thanks for listening the season is starting to grind in i've been at steady the nfl and i'll be back next week with a brand new pod <laughs>